This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Hi, everybody. Youth Worker joining us for the Youth Worker Recharge. Jeremy, good to see you this morning. Great to see you, Chris. Yeah, man. As always. You too. Um, and sooner or later, we're going to find ourselves in the same place. But um, as always, you are coming to us from California, and I'm at my home in Colorado. And yep, yep. Uh, this is the third week in a row that we're talking about trips and retreats. So those of you watching live on Facebook, these are archived on the Young People's Ministries Facebook page. And for those of you listening by podcast, Hopefully, if we do this right, they will be released in the correct chronologic order. And you can have <laughs> right. number one, two, and three. Um, last week, we talked uh, a lot about you know the, the setting and the purpose and the why you're doing the, the trip and retreat and then a few practical tips for getting there. Um, today, we wanted to spend a little bit of our time on sort of creating buy-in and marketing for your trip or your retreat, and then a lot of time on evaluation. So yeah. first things first. Um, there is no trip and there is no retreat unless you have people interested in going. So uh, how do you spread the word in the most effective way? (laughs) My thing is as big of a runway as you can, right? As soon as you know um, that that you're going to do something on a specific date, you've signed a contract, you've booked a retreat center, whatever it is, the next communication piece that you do, if it's an email or whatever, put it in there. You don't have to tell them all the details. You just say like, put it on your calendar. Summer camp. Next year is these dates. Um, and, you know, it's like a, <laughs> the closer you get to the event, the more details you need. But a lot of people feel like they, they need almost all the details. Like they, they need to know, how, for example, how much it costs. But if you're far enough out, you don't need to know how much it costs just to reserve that little slot in somebody's calendar. Um, But so you don't wait to communicate, communicate your smaller amount of details. And then as you get closer, your registration stuff, get your cost and, but you don't have to wait until you know exactly every piece of the curriculum and every uh, piece of the uh, packing list. You don't have to do, you don't have to know all that before you can say anything. Yeah, that's right. And, and some of the best um, stuff that I've used is also almost like a pre-registration or like, I, I want to express my interest, right? So yeah, you get those dates out there and all of a sudden you get like, 15 people who write back and say, yes, totally interested. It's on my calendar. You've got a good base to work for, you know, going forwards. Um, At the same time, if you put those dates out there and you give the opportunity for questions or feedback, and all of a sudden you've got like five or six people who say, Hey, there's this huge other conflict on the calendar gives you a chance to, to kind of shift or regroup a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And to estimate how many people are going. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because that's the that's you know you might it might be the exact same camp with the exact same other churches that you always do, right? But knowing that oh this year they moved the band camp to that week will help you to say oh hey guys we're going to be bringing less than normal. One of the other things I found helpful for trip and retreat planning, um, of course, again the the bigger the trip or the bigger the retreat, the farther in advance you should be planning. 
right? Right. Um, it's one thing to be planning something in town that's going to take, you know, a day and a half. It's something else to say, I'm going cross country and it will be this 10 day trip. And here's these things. Um, yeah. Either way, um, th- there's this term that's out there called a tripwire. And mm-hmm. um, that's not something that's like a, you know, practical joke or anything that you should do in the cabins, on the retreat, <laughs> anything like that. Right. The, be very dangerous. That. Wouldn't be a good idea. Um, idea. <laughs> but a tripwire is something that you set up in place that you are measuring and paying attention to that lets you as the leader know, I need to change my plans because I don't have the expected people that I thought I was going to have. Um I was not able to book the leaders I was going to. I don't have these things done by deadlines this far ahead of my trip or this far ahead of my mm-hmm. retreat. And if I trip enough of those, I need to make some significant changes to my plan. That's yeah. basically what those are. Yeah. And that's and it's important to think about those ahead of time, right? So go ahead and say, you know, by a month out, two months out, three months out, I need these things to have happened. And if not, and, and set a reminder on your calendar, Right, just put the question in there to come up in the middle of your day saying, Do you have enough counselors for your fall retreat? If not, you know, and that will help you be like, Oh, geez, no, I don't. By the end of this week, if I have not fixed that problem, it's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and sometimes some of those things can be set by the contract that you sign with the retreat yep. center or whatever as well, because they'll give you cancellation deadlines, right? Like, yeah. If the if this place says, you know what, before this date, you can totally cancel and there's no financial yep. penalty, pay attention to that date because right. if you don't have the people that you thought you were going to have, get out of there before you've committed funds and yep. um, there's no way to get them back. When do you lose deposits? When yep. are you obligated to pay all of it, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so there, there's our buy-in piece. Make sure that you're planning far enough ahead um, that you can create adequate buy-in and energy for the event. Um, and Chris, what do you think that is, right? G- give us an estimate. Like uh, if we're doing, uh, and I'm not talking about something just one afternoon. Yeah. If we're doing like a, a five-day long thing, how long or a, or a full weekend in the school year, how far out should you be um, planning to where you could communicate basic dates, do you think? Sure. I, I, I'd be interested to hear your answer to this as well. But like when I was doing my planning, I would have my student leadership team and I'll take a short term mission trip, for example. Our student leadership team would have their school year meeting starting in August. So mm-hmm. if I was you know, figuring that out, that group would choose where we're going to try to go for our mission trip and the dates in August, the year before the trip would take place. And that way, when I send out information as part of fall kickoff, again, I might not have all the details, but I can say, hey, next summer, June 17th through 24th, here are the dates that we're going to be on this trip. Save those dates if you want to be able to go. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I was about nine months ahead Um, Mm -hmm. and often, you know, for those big trips, I would sync it with trying to make my decisions around when school calendars came available too, um, Mm -hmm. because so many families are, you know, really limited by whatever the, the school systems offer. Um, you know, for, for a weekend, I honestly would always try to be at least five or six months ahead. I know that sounds like a long time for some people, but it's not that long. It's not that long, especially when people are planning vacations and doing that kind of stuff. 
Um, because a lot of times you're going to want to do it on one of those long weekends that people are thinking of doing something with their family. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I mean, an example for the stuff I do now, I, one of the things I get to plan is the every four year youth event, right? Like youth 2023, yep. it's going to be in Daytona beach from uh, July 22nd through 25th of 2023. We're recording this and I know that a year and a half out and I want that on everybody's calendar and everybody who's everybody's calendar should come, everybody should be you've there. You've got to be there. Great. Um, and we'll have more details that emerge about it, but when you've got something big, boy, you sure have to be nine months, a year, a year and a half ahead in some cases. And we didn't even talk about international stuff, but you right. know, gosh, if, if you're going to try something that big, you better be at least a year to year and a half ahead because um, of all the additional paperwork that's related to those things. Yep. Um, one of the other benefits of being really far ahead in your planning is setting up an evaluation plan of some kind. And that's yep. something that I think a lot of people overlook. And I'm really glad we spent some time pulling evaluation apart in our crash course on trips and mm -hmm. retreats. Yeah. And, and it's important because <clears throat> it's, it's important to do the debrief. We'll talk a little bit about that, but in order to have a really successful evaluation, you have to know what you're trying to accomplish. Right. And so a really clearly defined, like, this is what we are hoping to have happen and a way to measure it right? To say like, we want kids to have a, you know, powerful experience with God, for example, right? And that's a, that's a great goal. Uh, but how do you know if you hit that goal, right? Like, is it just you're in the room and you're like, no, this was powerful, right? Right. That's not, that's not a way to do that. So you've got to design uh, how a, a way to measure that. So you, you could ask the kids, right? You could get small group leaders to report back the experiences of their group. There's a lot of ways that you can, can do that. But, and then afterwards you can evaluate whether you, you hit that mark. Um, and, and that, that purpose uh, and that sort of measuring that uh, will, will change based on what you're doing, right. And what, what you're trying to accomplish with these things. So like a, a service trip, or uh, a fun, you know, recruiting, like a fun, just let's go play goofy golf or whatever. Um, that they, they call that mini golf in California. I've been corrected multiple times. Um, <laughs> it's mini golf. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, in Panama City, where I grew up, it was goofy golf. <laughs> yeah, but different, you'll have different things that you're trying to accomplish with those. And, and, and important is like, it's so frustrating when you get to the end of it and you realize I didn't collect the data I need. Mm. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't figure it out beforehand. And now it's over and that's probably and, and not going to happen. And I'll go big picture too. Um, it's important to like count your attendees, right? I mean, obviously yep. you have to be able to know who you brought so you can bring them all back and you will inevitably get questions about how many people were part of this trip or how many people were part of this retreat. But when you share those things, numbers are not exciting. Numbers nope. are not transformative. What's really exciting is you being able to tell the story of a transformation or a change that happened because of the experience that a young person had on that trip or that retreat. So when we're talking metrics, we're talking so much more 
than numbers. We're talking yeah. so much more than counting heads. Um, and counting transformational opportunities is a really cool one. Um, if you were going to do a retreat based on spiritual practices, um, you could yeah. do some sort of measurements for like, okay, here's what I think is going to be meaningful to the youth. But let's say that you offer them opportunities to have some volunteering time outside, um, large group worship services, small group Bible study, and like some kind of Lectio Divina or prayer experience. And so you got those like four or five different things. And before the weekend is over or before the trip is done, like at the very end on the way home, get some feedback from people about really what was the most meaningful to them. And it might open your eyes because what you thought might be meaningful actually mm -hmm. ended up being something completely different. So like if you put a ton of work into the worship service, but you found that actually it was the small group prayer time that was the big deal, it yep. lets you focus on the small group prayer time next time, you know? Yeah. And it helps you to, to understand, you know, where, where your group is, right? I, I find that a lot of times, um, uh, the earlier you are in your career in ministry, the more you assume that kids like what you liked when you were a kid. I but, still assume that sometimes, and I know it's incredibly wrong. That's right. They all want the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> but they, they, the children who are out of touch? <laughs> but so the uh but it's important because groups change and evolve right even if you you realize that your group doesn't always like the things you you liked when you were a kid that can change from year to year and you know sort of class to class and and having these kind of things can also tell you a little bit about what, what oh, oh, I've got a group that's really into these prayer things, or like, I've got a group that could care less about meditation, right? We, we need to expose them to that, but it's not going to be a big part of it. Or, you know, like, you might have had a group that like, they loved their sports games, right? They loved oh, yeah, right. doing like flag football, and then all of a sudden, nobody cares, but they really loved the messy game time or the, the uh, shaving cream fight or whatever. Um, and so like this kind of like questioning and, and if you, you've got a bus or a van, you can, you can do it sort of like during the car time. Right. Sure. And um, depending on how you set it up, like, <clears throat> I mean, you, you could always have something on site, like, you know, drop a note and whatever, and the leaders will read it when we get back. If you're feeling aggressive, you could set up a Google form. And if you let kids have their phones on the way home, I, I mean, they could all do the Google form while they're driving and give them something to do. Um, and part of that for me too. So like you're, you're, you're collecting this data, you're collecting these stories. And really, if you go back to episode one and we start with the why of the trip or the why of the retreat, yeah, part of it is you want to be able to pay attention to the growth that or the changes that occurred during the experience, right? How did somebody yeah. grow or change because of what we did on this trip or retreat? And then how can I provide them time to, so that they know I recognize it, that I see that change in them. Mm -hmm. So the evaluation that you do beforehand sets you up for a good like month or so afterwards for conversation yeah. and talking points with participants to say, Hey, I, I remember how much you loved this and, and how this, you thought this made a difference for you on the retreat you enjoyed doing Lectio Divina, which I never thought you would enjoy. Um, it's a month later. Are you still doing that? Is like, can I offer something to be a part of that too? So recognizing the growth, recognize the change and use that to facilitate some conversations. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and then when you get back, you, you've got to debrief, find yeah. some other people that were there, adults, students, whoever. And, and my, my sort of pattern is we just go step-by-step step through it. Yeah. Right. And we start with like, okay, what do we do before, before we left the church, like long before anybody showed up at the church that worked well, that didn't work well. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we step through, you know, the registration, checking in at the church, right. We just keep going through the whole retreat, evaluating what went well, what did not went well, what did not go well, and what things served our big biggest purpose and what things sort of distracted from our bigger purpose. And all the way through to the end of the retreat, and we put it all in a Google Doc. Yes. That is shared with everybody that is in that meeting. Because the debrief is important only to the extent that we use it for a pre-brief next year. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. If you do all this work and you never refer back to it so that you can <laughs> right. evolve and change as a leader, uh, you did a lot of work, but boy, you're right. not getting the, the payoff and you're not getting the support and the change that you need for next time. Yeah. And it's important to share that Google Doc with all of those people because, I mean, you want to believe that you will be at that church forever, but there will come a year when the last year's retreat was under your reign and the next year's retreat is under the next person's yep. responsibility. And you want your, those volunteers that helped you on that retreat, not to be like, not to have to say, you know, we did a debrief, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know what we said. <laughs> right. That was a year ago. Right. Um, to be able to say, Oh, here's our, Google Doc that we had, that we put it all together. Here's the insights that we had last year that you can completely ignore if you want or use to make uh, improvements. And to your point, it's so much easier to do those reflections when they're fresh. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that there is something about that meeting and that time and starting that Google Doc within a week max of when the uh -huh. experience took place because as time goes on, we forget the details. We forget what was easy. We forget what was hard. Mm -hmm. We forgot what really bothered us about this one particular thing. Um, so do right. it when it's fresh. And then um, it, this is, for me, this was always part of the evaluation as well. Um, like when you're coming back, if, if you are needing to make the case to the rest of the staff or to, to a church committee or anything like that for why these trips and retreats should be able to continue in the future, it's really good to have all this evaluation and reflection stuff so that you can have more than numbers and you can have these stories to be able to share. Um, and something I always tried to do uh, after some of the big experiences was, was try to create an opportunity for like some testimony time or some story sharing time for youth that were on the trip or on the retreat to share what they learned during a worship service um, or to you know join in conversations with other staff members. So that people were hearing about experiences and stories from the trip that did not come from me, right? There's, right. there's power in that invitation and then in that hearing from somebody who was not the leader of the whole experience. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing that I think as you go through that evaluation is one of the things that you probably need to be aware of as the leader are what I would I call the heads up bullet points, which is the thing that 
your supervisor, your senior pastor might need a heads up on. Sure. Right. Some kid, you didn't realize it, but some kid went streaking one night (laughs) or uh, you didn't realize it, but one of the adults caught a bunch of the kids smoking or, you know, there's a million things that, uh, that your supervisor or senior pastor doesn't want to be caught off guard. And then there's some things that you might need some help. How do I respond to this? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, can I, I share a story about one of those? Yes, please do. This, this is a, uh, I hope not many people have this sort of an experience, but if you do things for enough time, you'll have your own wide variety of stories that are you know, right. just easy to share. Um, there was one year I was leading a retreat and um, one of our adult leaders was a recovering alcoholic mm-hmm. um, and ended up having a relapse on the retreat itself. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so all of a sudden we had to trigger all of these mechanisms that normally we wouldn't have had to worry about, but mm-hmm. um, making sure that this person was cared for, but also that we informed the pastoral team so that the support network yeah. could be there um, for this volunteer and their family. Um, mm-hmm. knowing that it was going to just kind of kick things back to very early recovery stages afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one, you know, speaking of surprises, right? Like you, you don't want your senior pastor to be surprised or hear about that story from anybody, but you, right. Because yeah. it is a big deal. And so we made the call during the retreat itself. That wasn't even one that was like, you know, people got to know before we get back. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's so important. Um, and, you know, and there's a number of issues that you encounter for the first time and you're not sure, you know, what is the long-term response to it? You might not know what the immediate response is, but um, making sure you've got a sort of a running list of things to ask for help and just to let them know what happened that they won't be surprised. And, and, and as part of the evaluation stuff, um, that also for you sort of creates the paper trail or the, mm-hmm. the the recorded pieces of this is what happened, this is what I did. So right. let's go to the kid that was maybe streaking for no reason and you didn't know about it. Um, <laughs> but okay, here's when I found out and here is my response to it now. And that way, if anything ever comes up in the future, you can easily refer back to those files right. and say, well, okay, so that's what happened. This is when it happened. And here's what I did because of it. And here's where we are now. Yeah. And that kind of stuff, you know, is really important in ministry as well. So it, it fits nicely into that evaluation piece for trips and retreats. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, well, that really should cover just about everything that we hit in the crash course on trips and retreats. So I hope folks take the chance to download that PDF along with the other crash courses. Yeah, um, and I tell you, those those ebooks are super helpful. If you haven't checked those out, you really do need to go um, dig into them. They, anything that is like a sort of a core uh, area of uh, capabilities or information that you need to know, we we sh- we have a basics the basics in an ebook that are available on the Young People's Ministries website. So don't don't stop. Uh, just go straight there and check that out. Yep, umcyoungpeople.org. They are uh, awesome and well written because we wrote them. And, um, <laughs> but really, and they are. somebody else edited them. That's right. Somebody else edited them. And that's, that's why they're the real. <laughs> that's right. Um, but they are uh, intensely practical, easy to, yeah. easy to read and super easy to put into practice. Um, and uh, we'll continue our conversations based on those in our next week's uh, recharge 
We're going to talk about administration, like that behind the scenes stuff, where if you spend your energy the right way, uh, it can mm -hmm. really positively influence the rest of your youth ministry experience. If you don't do that stuff well, um, you end up having to spend way more time on it than you would ever want to. So, <laughs> right. yeah. um, that's what we'll get into next week. Jeremy, always fun. Thanks a bunch. Yes. See ya.